The main round has started, and so has the controversy. Alex Kulash here, joined by Brian Campion, who got to watch Croatia fans get really angry and Germany fans sigh in relief. How are you doing, Brian? Not too bad. Thanks for introducing me first. That's great. I'm very happy about that. There you go. I thought, I thought I'd throw you that one. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> and of course, Chris O'Reilly is here, who's going to try to explain what the hell happened at the end of that Denmark-Sweden game. Yes, sir. How are you doing, Chris? I'm good. What a day at the office in Hamburg. Uh, I'm glad that the uh, Euro drama came here a day or two too late, but it's here now. Before we get into the games and the controversy around them, What's what's the first feeling on the main round? You know, we were so ecstatic coming out of the preliminary round. And we've had some good games. But what what, what has been the feel in the stadiums? What What's the general vibe? I think it's been very good. But coming from where we came from, maybe a slight step back. Uh, um, but saying that, I mean, the Austria result for me was unbelievable. And that was like, I didn't see that coming. And there's nothing I'd wish for more than... Austria to do a job over Germany. I think that would be absolutely <laughs> sensational. It'd be their court about 2.0. Uh, Austrians never shut up about the time that they beat Germany in Cordoba. So that would be their, their handball version of it. And I think that would be a sensation. I don't see it at all. I just feel like the day that's in it, I feel like the small brother will just get crushed by the big brother. Um, but I would love and pay a lot of money to see Austria beat Germany. But I think that Austrian result was a huge one for me. I thought France Croatia was a good game. Uh, I think Denmark Sweden was also a very good, a very entertaining game. I'm sure we get, we're going to have plenty to say about that a bit later. Portugal were were impressive, um, and yeah, I don't want to go through all the games. I want to leave something. For you guys to say, so. <laughs> classic, classic Brian Gambian approach. Scatter gun. Yeah. <laughs> what What about you, Chris? Does it feel like the element of danger has kind of disappeared? Because I think. That is one of the issues with the main round that there is, again, there's four games, there's eight points up for, up for grabs, and it f- doesn't feel like every game is make or break. Really? Or, or it, I think so. I really think oh, so. I think like, yeah. when, there's, when there's only two spots in the semifinal up for grabs, then it really is that case. Like, uh, and... You know, this has always been the format of the Euro with, in the end, you end up with two groups of six and only the top two make it through. Now, there's more games in it, so it feels a bit longer. I mean, the uh, the previous format before it expanded to 24 teams was you had 16 teams, 12 of them go through, but two matches are carried over. So there you felt like after one game that like a team like Denmark would already be booked in the semifinal and then there's nothing to play for. Whereas now we've reached the halfway point of the uh, of the main round in Hamburg, and still nothing is actually decided. So it feels like um, it's very much up for grabs, and that is the feeling I got from the uh, the Slovenia Sweden game the other night. That it was like 
really nervy. It was like, uh, even though both teams had come through their groups with two points, that the, it was a make-or-break game. That's how I felt a little bit uh, for Sweden today against uh, against Denmark. And uh, I think the only team not feeling it is Portugal, who are just having a laugh and they're killing it. I mean, Portugal are the story for me so far. A lot in this group. Uh, Austria are in the, in the Cologne group, but Portugal absolutely flying. And so, yeah, I feel like there's there's a lot of nerves out there, a lot of tension. No, the Norwegians are ready to, you know, hang their coach, um, <laughs> which is uh, there's a whole lot of bad vibes going on in uh, in Team Norway. And uh, yeah, I'm enjoying it so far. I think, you know, we don't have the minnows who are going to create a huge surprise. The closest we're going to get is Austria, who've been in three of their four main rounds and whenever they got to the Euro and Portugal, who are. Uh, established team as well but in that sense I think they're they're putting up a good fight against the big boys just a little point on Norway there we, you know we talked about the Kolstad project and how it's going to bring these players together and they're going to be a unit and they're going to be <laughs> yeah. all great and I think the opposite yeah. has happened where you brought them all together and now they just hate each they're other and they can't each get other. away from each other give me a fucking break you know you you know, you normally we would go away when we played for Ireland and you'd be like oh, I haven't seen the fucking lads in ages it's going to be fucking great if we were playing week in week out at the club level you'd be going away you'd be like these fuckers again stuck with them week in week out <laughs> Magnus Road oh he's injured again is he yeah typical fucking made of glass <laughs> classic <laughs> yeah that's uh, yeah really bad vibes there like that I mean, and hilariously, they beat Netherlands today and they're still still in with the shot. They're going to have to pull off the miracle of the century to beat both Denmark and uh, Sweden to have a chance. But yeah, not good there. So yeah, but to answer your question, I think the I think there is the danger there. And uh, I think both groups in one way or another are going to go down to the wire. Good time to mention a couple of the interviews you got after the Denmark-Sweden game. Uh, actually... I threw this up on Twitter and uh, the first two people replied saying, we want to hear Hampus Vanna and we want to hear Emil Nielsen. And what did Chris O'Reilly do? He brought you Hampus Vanna and he brought you uh, Emil Nielsen. Uh, Alex, um, you only wrote Hampus and Emil, so I thought you meant Emil Jakobsen. Nah, I got you, Emil Nielsen. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> Imagine that. So, Emil, you're uh, you're 12 from 26 of the championship. How do you feel? <laughs> but uh, you're still extremely yeah. handsome. Is yeah. that keeping your head up in this championship? <laughs> do you practice your roles every morning? <laughs> he's got, he's got. You know, him and Alexander Blonds have the best roles. But um, anyway, uh, yeah, it was a packed mix zone as you expect from the Scandinavian Derby. But I managed to get a, a quick uh, few words with uh, Hampus Vanna and Amy and Nielsen. And we'll play that later in the show. So let's start at the end, will we? Let's get straight into the refs, will we? <laughs> yeah. You know, we... <laughs> Alex, Alex <laughs> promised. Which game, Alex which promised game will we start And uh, here we are. I, I promise <clears throat> ref talk and um, we're going to go with ref talk. Now let's start with the most recent one that we'd all just watched, Sweden-Denmark. Because uh, that game was basically decided on referee decisions and it looked like it was over and then we had that that situation where they take where Sweden protested that they took too many passes that's what the protest was yep. in the end wasn't it yep. Chris you want to talk us through uh, seeing as you're there uh, commentating of, of what exactly happened in those last yeah I, I was there but I, I knew as much as you guys I'm going to be honest like uh, <laughs> uh, it's one of those situations where you know on the court they know 
how many passes. And sometimes on the screen we're shown the referee giving like two fingers up or three fingers up or one finger saying this is how many passes are left. That wasn't the case this time or, or if it was, I, I missed it. So the case was they had, they had two passes left and they took three passes. So normally in that case, the referees would blow it up and uh, it would be a Sweden ball. However, they didn't. The ball was played out to Magnus Landin. He scored a goal to make it a two-goal game. And uh, straight away, Jonathan Karlsbergard was like right in the referee's faces, like with the two fingers up saying, two passes, you said two passes, check the video replay. Andreas Palika looked like he was going to go and rip somebody's head off. I mean, this was this was 20, this was... Yeah, with his little piece of tissue in his nose as well, looking extra insane. I saw... Palika of last year when he almost ripped Elodie Vidarsson's head off. He was going to do that to a referee. We know he's capable of it. Uh, and then, and then, yeah, the referees, to be fair to them, they were like, all right, everyone calm down. So there is a rule in handball where if there is a potentially game-changing situation in the last 30 seconds, regardless of what it is, if it has a direct impact on the result, that they can go and check the video replay to ensure they have made the right decision. So the referee said, okay, clearly this is worth looking at. And uh, so they went and checked it. They saw, yes, indeed, that uh, they had taken three passes, one pass too many, and therefore the goal shouldn't stand. The problem for me then when they came back and like they did the arms across saying they they meant no goal, but... This is where maybe we need a mic on the referees because that could mean no goal, which I thought initially, or it could mean there's no point in like the, the, the protest is invalid. Thankfully, I guess right the first time around. And then there was a whole kerfuffle about uh, whether they should bring, how much time they should bring the, the clock back. Thankfully, at that point, uh, I had my director in my ear saying who could hear what they were talking about and uh, told me that they were discussing where to bring the clock back to. And so that's where we were. All of a sudden, a goal was wiped off, which uh, you don't see very often. And yeah, they turned back time. The 17 seconds left to go. And uh, Sweden had the attack. So then, Chris, tell me, why didn't the referees go to the video again when they said that Hampusvana was inside in the last second or last three seconds where Oscar Bergendahl got the Shot scored the goal to equalize and make it 28-28 between Denmark and Sweden. But the referees called inside for Hampus Vanne, who may have been pushed by a Danish defender into the area. Who may have been manhandled by Seaman Held, who's about 20 kilos heavier than him, uh, into the six-meter area. The angle that I was watching it live, obviously uh, I was blind to, uh, to Vanne. All I could see was... Bergendahl stick his his paw out, his left paw, and say, give me the ball. He got the ball. He put the ball in the back of the net. As far as I was concerned, <laughs> it was a goal. And then straight away, I saw the referees pointing down that he was inside. I I don't know. In that case, they just couldn't be bothered. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I, it was I, think, I think they just wanted to go home. <laughs> Fuck this. I, I thought they were very decisive, which is good with the referee. I yeah. thought the first decision was, that was really, really, really yes. impressive. Yeah. And then, ah, oh, it's just, it's tough. It is tough. Because, yeah, because I mean, if anything, like, if he hadn't scored uh, in that situation, uh, it probably would be a penalty because then the defender is interfering with the shot by shoving one of his teammates in his face. 
And yeah, it feels like. Um, where do you go if you're hamstrung? I mean, where do you go? Do you know? Wait, you get wait, pushed like that. You're only going one direction, aren't you? Like if you just purposely push someone and yeah. something like that. I mean, that's... maybe maybe you could have fallen over completely, like instead of just stumbling in. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's hard. Like <sighs> he did push him as well. Yeah, it was, it was an angle. It was on uh, social media now as well. He yeah. definitely shoved him. That was that was clear, and um, uh, it's a pity because at the end of that, I think both teams would have kind of accepted a draw from it. Maybe the Danes would have been complaining a lot more if it was a draw, and maybe we'd be hearing the whole story about the ball turning over in the first place. Um, These Czech refs were watching the Yuri Knorr or the, the end of the German game yesterday and saw six steps plus four steps and thought, do you know what? We're not going to be fucking doing that. We're just blowing everything <laughs> up here. Yeah. No, but I, I agree. Uh, generally like that, I think they did a good job with the game. And uh, that decision for the last Denmark goal was the right decision. And they, they kind of accepted, yeah, we messed up. That's what the video replay is there for. So um, if they'd used it one more time, I don't think anyone would have been complaining. But Hampus van is penalty against Landine. That's that's a highlight for the ages, that one. Where he has Landine on the floor and oh. just gets it right over his shoulder. Oh. Now Landine is laughing. He's just like, that was well done. Well done. Fair play, you little bastard. <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, then let's hear from the little bastard, Hampus van. <laughs> and, uh, and the big bastard. Emil Nielsen from the, 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 the big bastard from Denmark, Emil Nielsen. <laughs> Talk us through those final seconds, and you you went in as a second line player, yeah. And uh, and the call was against you to be inside. Is that is that what happened? Yeah, Oscar. Yeah, I believe so. But uh, I haven't seen it on yeah. video now, so I don't really want to speculate about yeah. it. Yeah, but I mean, uh, overall, uh, wild game, and I think yeah. the the result not what you want, of course, but yeah. it, it shows that you're right up there with this Danish team, and I guess there's some positives to take away from that. Yeah, of course, but uh, in the end we're still very disappointed because, yeah, when you play for the Swedish national team, uh, you play to win. Uh, but yeah, it was amazing atmosphere, a really funny game to play. It was so intense all the time. Um, but yeah, now I feel like we're uh, we're still uh, very hungry. Yeah, and uh, I mean you were stuck in heavily throughout the game, uh, and the penalties scoring from open play as well. And you seemed to have a nice little battle with uh, Matthias as well as he tried to come in on the line. Uh, you took each other down a couple of times. Yeah, yeah, but uh, yeah, it's great. It's funny to play against Denmark because a lot of us play uh, together or have played against each other. I don't know how many times. So yeah, it's always great battles, but unfortunately we didn't come out on top of it. And, uh, and for the gameplay for today, like the, the plan you had to deal with the Danes, uh, do you think overall that was executed as you hoped to? Um, we could have done it better in the first half. Uh, Gidsel and Pitlick came through a little bit too much uh, through our defense in the middle in the first half, but second half we did it improved uh, a lot. Yeah, and um, I mean, the last seconds, of course, is a disappointment, but uh, it's, it's wide open, this group, and now Portugal coming up, and that feels like a little bit of a a quarter-final already. Yeah, now it's uh, yeah focus on Portugal. Um, they um, I haven't seen them so much yet, um, but they're known for the seven-six, uh, especially. Uh, let's see what how it's gonna be. Thank you, stuff, thanks. thanks. Uh, very hectic end to the game, an incredible match. Uh, isn't it mostly relief at the end of that to get the win? <laughs> uh, definitely. Uh, <laughs> I, I think we had our opportunities throughout the second half to, to close the game, but we didn't manage to do that. So, so I think it was a well-deserved win. Um, 
on the other hand, uh, Sweden is also, you know, fighters all the way around and they never give up. So it's also credit to them for, for coming back and never give up. Um, in the end, as you say, it was a sigh of relief for sure. Um, so yeah, we're, we're happy with the two points. Uh, take me through those final yeah, few seconds. First of all, the goal, which, which wasn't counted. I mean, mm. so much happening there. Hard to also guess. For sure. For sure. Yeah, for sure. And it took a very long time. It yeah. was uh, it was a little frustrating as as a goalkeeper, especially when you're when you're standing in the goal and you have no idea what's happening, and then you have to, you know, get ready again. Um, so, well, it was uh, it was it was different. Let me say it like that. It was um, something I haven't tried before, and <laughs> well, at least it went into our favor. So that was good. <laughs> yeah. uh, and in general, this is feels like the first proper test for Denmark. You've uh, moved through the gears nicely mm. during the tournament, but now really people have to the test. Well, I don't know if I agree. You know, Portugal is also a great team. They have shown that uh, multiple times, and we just played really good against Portugal, So uh, and everything clicked. So I think we, we've met, or, met proper uh, you know, battles throughout this tournament, but... but uh, well, we'll take, uh, we'll take the two points today, and it was a good game. And for your performance, in particular, you came on midway through the first half um, and straight into the action. Uh, mm. Like, uh, must be such a like a luxury for this team to mm. have both you and, and Nicholas come in. But your impact in the first game at the beginning of the championship and today, really fantastic. Uh, what is your perspective on that? No, of course, I'm happy. I'm happy with the two points. It was a difficult game as a goalkeeper today. Uh, they come very close uh, to the goal and they shoot a lot of shots from six meters and I think they get ten penalties. So. Yeah. So, so it's today was was a very difficult game for goalkeepers. Um, so, so overall, I don't know what my percentage is. I don't think it's that high, but but overall, <laughs> it is okay. Well, yeah, oh, okay, fair enough. Good, good, good thing though. But uh, I'm happy with the performance and 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 really, 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 really relieved and happy with the two points. Uh, and your role is growing with this team uh, as the championship goes on. Uh, it's your first experience of being in a championship like this, in this pairing, uh, how does mm. that feel? It's amazing, it's just amazing. Also now, now at this point, like the fans start to recognize me and they start to yell my name and, you know, it's nice to be integrated to the teams also, you know, throughout the fans. So, so I'm just really happy and, uh, and hope to, you know, being able to, to perform more throughout this tournament. Yeah, man. Thanks, sir. Yeah. Of course, no worries. There, thank you, boys. Here, Alex, I have a question for you now. Would you rather Emil Nielsen or Andy Wolf on your team? Oh man, I think Andy Wolf still, because they're both a similar type of goalkeeper who can take over a game, are explosive, and bring momentum to their team. And I think while Emil Nielsen is going to be better, probably at some stage, right now he hasn't won a European championship for his team yet. And that's, you know, Andy Wolf has done it and he keeps doing it. I, I take Andy Wolf, but Emil Nielsen has just been incredible. There'll be 1-1 one, one on the European championship uh, scale in <laughs> a week or so. And then it'll, be, it'll very quickly turn in one favor. Yeah, and one then maybe. Man's favor. Maybe. It is remarkable to think that it is his first tournament. And I, and I asked him about that, uh, as you heard as well. And he really seems to be enjoying it. Like he, he's of course he enjoyed. It. He has a fifty percent save rate. <laughs> yeah, he's clearly taking it in his stride. You know, coming in and saving the day again. And uh, and yeah, he's just like today was was fantastic in a game which he said was not a goalkeeper's game. 
he still had a very good game, yeah. which says something. And he was the only one to to really thrive uh, of the of the four goalkeepers today. Thirty five percent save rate in that game is massive. Yeah. That's an off day for Emil Nielsen. An off day, yeah. yeah. For Emil Nielsen, thirty five percent is an off day. Yeah. For any yeah. other goalkeeper, yeah. that's a you win the you match. Win the match. Yeah. Oh, it's incredible. There's no point in talking about Matthias Gidsen though. We just speak lazy, <laughs> won't we? We don't need to be so lazy anymore. Like you know, it's too much. Like in those interceptions alone, just the interceptions. <laughs> I'm just like fuck off. It's too, it's too good. Like we were all watching the game in, and people were going just they just. He can really get people off their seats mm-hmm. that are just fucking watching it in a media fucking centre. And just with the interceptions alone, it was just absolutely wild. Like, it's some of the yes. stuff he's doing. And that dirty backward they started with as well, like Pitlick, Hansen, yeah. and Giesel. It's just like... Yeah, the, the last three games for Giesel, just last three games for him, the ones that mattered against Portugal and in Sweden. 11 goals from 12 shots against Portugal. Nine goals from 10 shots against Netherlands. 10 from 11 against Sweden. That's just ridiculous. That's just... Yeah. And you tweeted, Alex, about his his shooting percentage being way too good for a backcourt player. It's now up to 88%. <laughs> <That's> what? <laughs> 88.1%. And, you know, he played so well that he masked the fact, in my mind, he masked that Simon Pitlick was not having a great game. And that started to unravel a little bit in the second half where they started, they tried to find solutions then, Mark. Where it's the first time that I was like, ah, maybe the backcourt isn't as perfect all the time. Like every game it's been like them dominating and then just waiting for it to pull away. But Putlick struggled to, to have a real impact. Uh, Lauga struggled to have a real impact. They threw in Mikhail Damgaard, who struggled to have an impact. And then it was like a good thing that Gietzel had already scored 11 goals uh, or 10 goals because, uh, yeah, if that went on a bit longer, I think Sweden would have had them. Hansen and that Danish backcourt were working. Hansen Mm -hmm. and two boys. And it was actually Hansen who was coming through, uh, getting the space and actually scoring um, from open play uh, quite well. And then in the second half, he just he didn't play that much. Um, it was yeah, Lauga came in there, and then towards the end, when Sweden really made a comeback, it was Damgor in there. Um, is it is it down to those like niggling injuries that he has? Do you think? I I guess so. I mean, he he has a dislocated finger. He has like he has more. You see players walking through in the mix zone with ice on. He's got more ice than anyone else. He's got a, a solid like three kilos of ice wrapped around <laughs> his body uh, when he's coming through. I, I really think it's they're just protecting him. It's a long tournament. There are if everything goes to plan, there are four more matches to play for them, and uh, I think you know they put him in there. He he gets the ball rolling. You know, he's played a lot. Of, he played the first half pretty much the entire time, um, and then Lauger comes in and hopefully maintains the the tempo and uh yeah i think when they really really need it he'll play more any thoughts on sweden because i initially wasn't that impressed for them I, I i haven't been that impressed by sweden in this championship at all so it kind of surprised me that they were able to like scrap back to almost getting a draw um i thought lagergren was very good yeah. he was very impressive and yeah, Carlsberg or again, it's it's an interesting, it's interesting that they have 
these two sets of backcourts. And they seem to just switch between them. You have um, Lagergren, Gottfriedsen, and Kralsbergor as your front line. And then they took all of those three off and brought in Eric Johansson, Felix Klar, and Lucas Andel, who arguably is the better, you know, which 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 trio is better? Is yeah, yeah, <laughs> exactly. I think uh, I think in the de- the defensive side, the first three is better, and that's why I think they started today and played most of the second half because Glenn Solberg wanted uh, six men in attack and defense. Going back to you know twenty twenty two Sweden, you know, no substitutes between attack and defense, and um, and yeah, whatever he said to Carlsbergard worked because straight from the start he was uh, he was going for it he won penalties he scored plenty of goals um with more confidence in attack than i've seen him before um i think it's a little bit like he's got a little bit of the Lasse anderson about him it's like he's a defender first and foremost but then if he has a chance to build up the confidence like has, can really do a good job in uh, in attack particularly as a playmaker as at left back but he's got an arm as well and uh yeah, Lagergren was for me the like from what you expect to see from a player to what he produced was the was the best player uh, in that game because he yeah he was toying with that Danish defense at times. But yeah, I was impressed with them. I think they are a good tournament team as we're seeing. Yeah, you you said it you said it last time. Just like the last Euros, which they won, they scrapped through the mm. whole thing. You know, they they weren't obviously the dominant team in the same way that we've seen Denmark and France be at tournaments, they scrapped through it. And I think this showed that they're, they can scrap with anyone, even the likes of Denmark um, and, and anyone else from the other side. So we'll be interested, you know, it'd be interesting to see if they don't slip up essentially against some of the other teams in the group, yeah. like Portugal. That's a um, big one. That's that's the quarterfinal right there. I think uh, Portugal Sweden. That's an exciting game, and uh, and I don't know if what you guys made of Portugal today, but I uh, really really impressed with those guys. They love the three thirty slot. <laughs> oh, Portugal are just no pressure. Know, are they no back pressure? To exciting Portugal from years ago because it's like a new generation. Better. It could be the best ever. They're kind of. Aiming now probably for that. If they finish fifth this year, that'd be the best result ever. You know, I mean, who knows if they could, say if they could get the semi final? But I think this mix of someone like Martin Costa coming in and playing better <laughs> yeah. than his more talented brother uh, is uh, something that no, not that many people expected. And uh, you know, we're talking to our good friend Marcio Menino, and uh, they often compare the two, the two of them to Cristiano Ronaldo <laughs> and Messi. I don't know if they're that good now, but like. Uh, that one has to work for everything Martin has to work for everything and uh, Kiko just has all the talent but nice that both um, of the Ronaldo and Messi of handball play for Portugal though isn't it yeah that'd be a nice <laughs> funny isn't it it's funny <laughs> yeah so practical they, they've... can we talk about how boring Germany are oh yes <laughs> please I wanna... please I forgot about that I forgot about that <laughs> I'm jumping around here a bit, sorry, but I've been itch- itching to hear Alex talk about this. Replace. I want to unleash him. Oh, <laughs> lads, they're just, they're not a bad team, but they're so boring. They just, yeah. they have no flow. It's, you know, when you watch a team like Denmark, France, 
And even teams like Portugal and Netherlands, you're watching them and they're, they're flying around. There's movement. There's like, this is exciting. I, I want to get involved in this. And then you watch Germany and it's so static and they're all big and they take contact but still score. And you're like, oh, like it's working for you, but just like... Do we really have to watch this? <laughs> <laughs> I'm not getting paid to watch this. What the fuck is this? <laughs> oh, it's annoying. Um, and I think the like the joie de vivre of Yuri Knorr has kind of tailed off a little bit. He's a really talented player. He's been really good, but he's not surprisingly good now. And I think teams have shut him down a little bit in. Like when his like static movement and uh, shots and passes, he's moving a little bit more, but that's not ex- as exciting as his previous form. I do like Kastening on the right wing. He's great. Hmm. He's a he's a lot of fun. He had some really good spin shots uh, in the match, but they got bailed out by refs, right? We all agree on that. Before before you go into that, like just my my point in that game, it's like both teams have been found out a little bit of this championship in terms of like their attacking play. And it was like, there were no surprises. As we said, this is like a Bundesliga battle. But the amount of rebounds Germany picked up in that game was ludicrous, first of all. We can say all we want about referees, but like rebounds and missed chances, Iceland fucked themselves in this, as well as being done. Uh, but it was just like a case of, okay, we all know what we're going to do here. Who can stumble their way to more goals? It was a bit better in the second half. First half was really tough to watch, though. Uh, and I was in the yeah. I was in the fan zone in Hamburg watching it with all the locals. And uh, Stefan Weinhold was there. You know, I was chatting away to, to Merle Schach, who was like, you know, he's he could be playing right now. He's fully fit. He's probably the best right back Germany has, but he's having a pint with a bunch of random fans in Hamburg. Uh, so yeah, that says a lot as well. But yeah, go on, Alex. Let us let loose in those final exchanges in the Lanxus Arena. So this one, I, I think it was a referee mistake, and I'll talk through it. But I don't blame the referees. It's quite unfortunate that uh, the referees in this case were also. Uh, Georgi Nacheski and Slava Nikolov, the Macedonian duo with some questionable claims against them. But I don't blame the refs as much because when it's a one-goal game between Germany and Iceland in a 20,000-seater Lanxus Arena with fans going crazy and the game gets so hectic, it's just really hard to just pull back a a small mistake like first essentially you know passive play i think was called well germany did did well to get about 20 25 seconds out of that uh, attack without not looking dangerous at all you know they, they didn't make movements when they had to and that allowed the referee it kind of made the referees only give passive play when when they did and then Jurknor slipping he he took the, he did, he took three steps i think i don't think you can count a slip where your other foot also falls as you're slipping as a step you know maybe maybe you can uh, and then 
he did put the ball down on the ground, which is, that's a double dribble. Because um, he bounced it, fell, and the ball hit the floor. That's a double dribble. I think if you're, if you're going to call anything, that's the decision that, that you call. Because it's right there. Everything's kind of static in that moment. That it's the right, you know, you can call that. And Iceland 100% would have got the ball and scored. Like, I, I don't doubt it that Iceland would have gone up the other side and made it 25-25. But Jürgner was able to throw the ball out to Judon Kuster, who he took four steps. He took four steps, a bounce, and three steps. Um, but in that moment, it's so... That second moment is so dynamic. There's so much going on. There's so many bodies lying ed- everywhere. And the steps are happening in at such a fast pace that yeah it's it's you know there's many steps in handball the gog five step it's one of those things when you're being tackled like that he had contact on him that you could just kind of take as many steps as you want and it kind of felt like that there was arms and hands on him so he's just just going for a hike trying to get through right yeah and he does come through puts it away 26 24 germany sigh with relief um what was the brian any like general impressions from the German team or the, the fans are like, what was the feeling? Picture this, right? You start, start to get started the game, right? Everyone's getting hyped up. They're like, everyone welcome out, Team Germany. And as place starts going, you know, the German with their clappers. <laughs> <laughs> you love a clapper, right? I love a clapper. I love a clapper. But they start playing Metallica Enter Sandman, right? And then I see Johannes Gola comes out. And I go, okay, fair enough, Metallica. He's kind of rock and roll of himself. I don't mind that. And then you see Justus Fischer walk out, and it's heavy metal. How does that make you feel? Bored. Doesn't really match up. <laughs> then Timo Kastening walks out, and you're like, God, this is, I don't know. I've, I've, and then, then uh, Custer walks out, and you're like, Jesus Christ, these are, this doesn't match up at all. These lads aren't metal. I was just like, I got really bad vibes off the whole thing. And then you talk about German, the German team being quite boring. I think also the fans are really boring as well. I'm sorry, but like... Come up with a chant. Just come up with one chant. You know, have have a few songs. Have a bit of a sing along. They're just obsessed with clapping, and it just—it's the same every game. And I can't imagine playing Bundesliga handball for a club, and you have the same atmosphere in every game and almost everywhere you go. Bar going to Fuchs Berlin or whatever, but every international game is the same game atmosphere over and over again. And I know I'm being a bit harsh here. <laughs> I love Christ it. Christ on a bike. It's the biggest. It's the biggest Euro ever. And all you're coming up with is clapping. Give me a break. Yeah. <laughs> hey, but they they got the win. Um, and it's good for the tournament, isn't it? It's good for the tournament. Germany's still it, in it the tournament. For the no. Still in with the chance. Uh, no, look, yeah. it is. It is. No, it is. I'm, 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 uh, I'm jesting, but like, no, it is uh, overall. Like, <laughs> no, you're not jesting you anything, Kappa. <laughs> well, I am and I am, I am and I happened, but like, just in case any Germans are listening. But... Um, no, it is good for the tournament because I think you want them to be there, thereabouts before the semi-final just to keep that, that tension. Will they make it to the semi-final? I'm not so convinced. I think, I feel like they have kind of got a, a jail, got out of jail card. Who's going to stop them between Austria, Hungary oh. and Croatia really at this stage? But yeah, they're lucky to get in, it's great in Croatia last, aren't they as well? So Croatia are going to be done and dusted by them probably. Yeah, it's looking good, isn't it, actually? Fuck. <laughs> so I'll give a quick point on Croatia. We won't go into it. But I think they, as always, there's a game in every tournament where the Croatian fans go n- really nuts at the referee. And it was the game against France. 34-32 uh, to France. And 
I think they they have some claims. Um, that decision of giving Nachinovich a two minutes after he got fouled by Dikamem, who also got a two minutes for mm. like the two minutes for Nachinovich was for flopping, yeah. but. The player who tackled him was at two minutes, got a two minutes, and it was a penalty. So th- that was, and that really, Croatia were right in the game then, and it kind of uh, it let France uh, get away. So I think they'll be, they'll feel pretty hard done by uh, Croatia, but still in it. And in and, the hall as well, there were some uh, hardcore people behind the bench who threw some uh, something yeah. at the bench anyway, and they ended up getting ejected. Four, four, four skinhead lads were swiftly booted out. Yeah, and, yeah, and th- there was also, I think, uh, you know, some racist chants also uh, from those Croatian fans. So that's definitely you don't want to see that um, at all in the game. So rightly kicked out. By the way, I'm jumping around here a bit now, but did you, did you hear that they, they played the Icelandic national anthem like on like double speed in the before the Germany game? <laughs> I read something about it. I wasn't quite sure what that was about. It was <laughs> like double speed. <laughs> It was like Benny Hill or something. And they were just like, what the fuck? And I thought then, I was like, oh, they're going to fucking really come out. I mean, I think that they played all right, like, but they weren't, they were, I thought they were going to actually like smash mm. it. But if you want to get some Icelanders up for a game, it'll be that like, but the DJ. And then the DJ, next thing he did was play some song on absolute full volume. And everyone thought they were about to go deaf in, in the arena, uh, surrounded by absolute laughter. And then people were like, what the fuck is this? This guy won't be working the next day anyway. Hey. <laughs> uh. Who's your semi-final teams now as we stand at the moment? We only briefly mentioned Austria, <laughs> but I, I Are they just, your semi-final really, team? <laughs> I just, you know, we've talked about teams who just can't hack it in the last couple of minutes mm-hmm. in this tournament. You know, Serbia being one, uh, Iceland and Norway have, have shown their gaps there and Austria are just mental monsters mentality monsters Nicola Bilic. mental monsters mentality <laughs> they're mental <laughs> mentality <laughs> monsters <laughs> so mental mentality monsters uh, Austria and Nicola yeah. Bilic, who is just in the form of his life and I really I you said it at the start Brian but I'd love to see oh. them knock out Germany just knock them down to third Ooh. place <laughs> that would be so tasty if Austria beat Germany <laughs> They'll have a three-point lead over them. And then there's a real chance. Uh, a real chance of them going through. Here are my semi-finalists. It's going to be France versus Sweden. No, France versus Portugal. Oh, And Denmark versus Hungary. Oh! Oh, it's dirty, wow. that one. Oh, it's dirty, <laughs> Oh my gosh! We call it. Lads. Throw, I'm it throwing there. it out there. <laughs> oh my god! I, I, I think that. we can. I, <laughs> I think we all agree on France, Denmark uh, topping the groups, mm-hmm. right? Again, I'm just. I'm still not impressed by France. I don't think they're that good, but they. They'll, they'll be there. Do have really good players, and they'll be there. And uh, Nikola Karabatic can't keep bailing them out. Like, this is ridiculous. He had a fantastic yeah. game against Croatia when Prandi really had a terrible one. But there's going to be a game where Prandi and Karabatic are not going to have a good game and France are going to really struggle. How about... But they're still going to talk. How about group. in the final game against Hungary when Hungary booked their spot at the semi-finals? <laughs> <laughs> so who's your who's your four t- who's the other two teams then, Alex? I think... I, I think Sweden will make it now. As much as I want <laughs> Portugal to make it, I, I want Portugal. 
but I think Sweden will make it. And the, I'll stick my neck out for Austria. <laughs> Just going to do it. I'm on the Nikola Vilic hype train. <laughs> uh, here we go. Even though I think it's probably going to be Germany. All right. But Campo. France, top group one. And I look, I, I live in Austria. Like, what the fuck would I be doing if I didn't pick Austria? Like, you know, I have to be on the hype train and I want to be on the hype train. They're a bunch of like before the Hungary game backstage, those lads were having a laugh, jumping up each other's backs, slapping each other. And then I, I, I saw them going, I was like, these lads aren't taking this seriously at all. And then the Hung- Hungarians came along all fucking serious. And then the fucking we saw what happened. So I'm going to go Austria. They're living in, they're living the dream. And fuck it, why not? Like, you know, Denmark then and. Yeah, I think probably Sweden. I think probably Sweden. I think the Sweden-Portugal game is going to be... Yeah. There will be no more than two goals. I'm not by any beers for anyone this time, though. <laughs> I, I think there's there's going to be another kind of little surprise as well somewhere. Uh, it's not going to be all straightforward for, for those teams. It's going to be... It's going to come down to the end. When is the Portugal-Sweden game? Uh, in two days' time. Tomorrow, podcast time. Okay, so we, we do have Germany, Austria... And Sweden, Portugal as the next games coming up. So I think we'll know a lot better yes, after those. And it's after those games that we'll record again <laughs> and reevaluate these wild, wild predictions. Make sure you pack your clappers because the Austrians are coming. We'll see you next time. <laughs>